Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hey, welcome to another episode of Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Oh, Kevin, we have news royalty on the show today. We do. We do. Uh, and someone who became part of the vernacular with all my mates, mm-hmm. when we when someone would walk in and go, oh, did you hear about uh, Bluey? Uh, Bluey uh, broke his foot in the mm-hmm. footy game. And you go, oh, thanks, Sandra Sully. Because, <laughs> of course, there was the late yes. news. Yep. But now she's, of course, doing the five o'clock news and uh, and is just a superstar of Australian media. And she's joining us on the podcast this Ooh. week, which we're uh, delighted about. Uh, a lot of people might not know the uh, the background of uh, Sandra's foray into media. Uh, basically, it was a bit of an accident, which yeah. she'll, uh, she'll tell us about. Yeah, and worked very hard to get to where she is today as, as one of the icons of the news media. All right, we'll get to Sandra yes. shortly, but I also want to remind you about our food poll. Well, it's getting cooler, Kevin, so I thought I'd warm you up with either a boom crash opera. Pineapple fritter. Or boom crash opera. Or a deep fried onion ring. Yeah, boom crash opera. <laughs> onion rings. Ho, ho. That would onion be onion. Rings. Wouldn't that be skin? Well, okay, I can change it to onion rings. I, I rang Dale Ryder and I said, Dale, you can got, I do it? And he said, Kevin, you can do whatever you like. Copyright approval. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought we'd put the sweet up against the savoury. They're both deep fried. They're both round. They've both got holes in the centre. Almost isn't the rule... I know when I when I was twelve, the rule was if it's deep fried, it must be good. Even better if you uh, sprinkle icing sugar over oh, the top. Not on the onion rings, but we'll get to what wins: pineapple fritters or onion rings. That's all coming up. But first, as you mentioned, it is media royalty, Sandra Sully. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. It's a Food Bites podcast and a radio show. So, are you any good in the kitchen, Sandra Sully? Um, I should let others. Speak for me on that front, but I haven't cooked for enough people for anyone to comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Look, I can follow a recipe. I enjoy occasion cooking. I hate routine cooking. Mm. How ah. does that sound? Yeah. <laughs> well, you certainly have a, an air of being, you know, calm and composed on air. So does does the same apply for <laughs> for the kitchen when you're in it? <laughs> <laughs> well. My husband likes to freewheel it, but if I, you give me a recipe, I'll follow it and, you know, I'm, I'm good. So I like to stay calm. It's not going to help anyone if you panic and lose it, is it? The food's just going to work, turn out horrible and your guests will be looking at you strangely. Have you got a signature dish? Is there something that is one that you <laughs> nail every time? Oh, no, not really. No. <laughs> a combi- combination of one-pot wonders is a bit of a specialty, but... Look, I think 18 years on late news made it really difficult. I, I was never home for dinner. Yeah. So, and I never really entertained because I always worked night shifts. So it kind of might distorted my adulthood in a good way, but from a cooking sense in a bad way. <laughs> well, let's go from your adulthood back to your childhood, Sandra, and uh, and talk about your uh, your years growing up and, and what, what your memories are, what kind of food was on the table. Oh, look, I grew up in a home of meat and three veg. Um, and so it was pretty predictable. And Mum always did a lamb roast on a Tuesday. I don't know why it was Tuesday, Tuesday. but it was it was Tuesday. That was my recollection. Um, but it was always healthy. Uh, and I I have to say, with due respect to my mum, and I've told her this, but you know, in, in those days, they uh, boiled the veggies beyond recognition, so they were just mashed. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, I do like a bit of crunch to the veggies, you know, so there are some vitamins left. But mum was, um, you know, mum was a good provider and a good cook, but it was 
she was working full time too, you know. So for her, it was just getting food on the table that was healthy, nutritious, and consistently provided for us. <laughs> and did you get uh, sweets on a regular basis? Um, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I mean, we're I, getting, I, now we're getting into the tin tax stuff. <laughs> oh, tin tax, yeah. Um, we had a, my grandmother used to come over every Saturday, and she was brought three bottles of soft drink and two bags of lollies. One was Freddo Frogs, and one was um, uh, like a Birdie Beetle type thing, but it wasn't Birdie Beetle, just gone blank. And um, we didn't wait till Saturdays to have dessert. I mean, it was, I, I ate ice cream. Buy that's a weakness. An ice cream with peanut M and M is wicked. Yeah, it's funny. I've gone more savoury as I've got older. But um, you know when you go out for dinner and someone you know presents a sweet, like I, I could make a mean apple crumble. I love really traditional desserts. I don't like the souffles. I mean, I'll eat them, but I don't sort of you know get excited about it. For me. Ice cream and apple crumble, and more ice cream than apple crumble. Happy day. Wow. Happy day. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, nostalgia and, and, and really precious memories, though, wrapped up in uh, in those bags of, uh, of Freddo frogs. Yeah, well, I think, you know, family's really important to me, and um, our family dining table is arguably, as it was strict in terms of, you know, you couldn't leave until you finished. Um, I do think that era of meat and free veg. Uh, really served us well from a nutritional and longevity sort of standpoint. Not that my family lived to a ripe old age, but my mother's got the constitution of an ox. <laughs> and, um, and my dad, not so much, but she was brought up a meat and free veg and her parents, my grandparents were, um, uh, what, sorry, what's the word? Um, not recession, depression era kids. Mm, yeah. And so food, food was precious and you couldn't waste it. You know, so you ha- you were grateful for what you got, and you understood the value of a good meal. Um, my mother um, made a, a mission every week of going to the markets in Brisbane and buying cases of fresh fruit, cases and cases. So we, I probably ate more fruit than anything, but um, it was a really healthy diet. And then <clears throat> the dinner table was where you know stories were told about sporting endeavours and and all the dramas around the hockey field and the football field and. And, you know, plenty of laughter and good times. So, yeah, really, I think food is that great. I wouldn't say equaliser, but I love the concept of eating together because that's where you share um, good times and good stories and good relationships, you know. Sandra, was a media career always on uh, the radar for you? Uh, What age were you when you um, decided or, or did you decide or did you fall into the career that you have? I was completely by accident. So I worked in health and fitness before I started down the journalism path and I was doing a Bachelor of Business by correspondence but working full-time in health and fitness and one of the ladies in my running club worked at um, Channel 7 and because I used to run this sort of aerobic studio, we had like 125 classes a week, 25 instructors, I was a little organised, eager beaver and she had left Channel 7 and she was a a senior researcher and producer at, on a current affairs show there. Um, but Barbara had left there to go and set up the entertainment at Expo. And I really wanted to work with her because I thought that would be a great next step, just organising entertainment 
Expo was the biggest thing to happen in Brisbane in forever long. And I had a chat to Barbara and she said, Sandra, I, I don't have the job that you're right for now. It's going to be a little while, but there's a great job going at Channel 7. You should try for that. And I said, I don't know anything about television. She said, you do it in your sleep. It was a, product, a production manager, a unit manager for a current affairs show. I went for the interview. They gave me a screen test and I said, I'm here as a production manager. I don't want to be on air. Anyway, landed the job as a production manager, organising, um, you know, the current affairs shows, travel, rolling, auto cue scripts, putting makeup on the presenter. And I continued on my degree for a Bachelor of Business and, you know, fell in love with journalism really. So switched over, got a cadetship and off I went. Wow. Completely serendipitous. Ridiculous. So you but, had... You, can you, I... Yeah. Can I just say, um, Lee Sales started as a production assistant. Remember Maxine McHugh? She started mm-hmm. as um, a director's assistant. Um, I think Ray Martin started in the ABC mailroom. Yep. So I, I, I did learn that, you know, you really just need a foot in the door, learn your craft, be respectful and work hard. But it also means that you don't have that starry-eyed thing that a lot of people have when they get into the entertainment industry and think it's going to be all bells and whistles and, you know, fabulous. You actually know that there's work involved. Yeah, absolutely. And when a um, cadetship came up, I remember sort of saying to the news director, like, why me? And I'd been working at the station for two years. And he said, because you understand the principle of television news is it's teamwork. He said, I'll teach you journalism, but you know how to run a newsroom. So, um, you know, I said, well, okay, I'll do the cadetship, but if I switch degrees, I need, you know, Wednesday afternoons off to get some lectures, and then can I come in on Saturday and not be a unit manager, but full-time on the road? And, you know, we negotiated that over two years and, you know, just went arguably from strength to strength. Depends where you think I've ended up, but (laughs) in a nutshell, um, it was about... And I also said to him, you know, like there's so many university graduates who who are knocking at the door and I was managing their applications. So I knew how qualified they were. So why are you picking me over them? Mm-hmm. And he said, because they arrive at, with a sense of entitlement, some of them, and they want to land their first job in a Cap City newsroom. He said, you've landed here, started from the bottom up. And, and I was there for a year and a half, two years, and then I went regional and that was in the in the days when um, all the regional newsrooms popped up mm. and they wanted, um, just gone blank on the, the name that it was at the time, where they they wanted all of regional Australia to have the same access to um, Cat City uh, newsrooms. So all your regional networks used to have, you know, an ABC and an SBS and then they had one commercial station that Cherry picked out of 7, 9 and 10, the shows that night. Well, after aggregation, that was the word, Regional Australia got channels 7, 9 and 10 everywhere, but they what came with that was the caveat that they had to have local newsrooms. So local newsrooms popped up all over the country, and I always encourage young journalists to go regional because, you know, you literally have to do everything, yep. but it's the best way to learn. And it was mm-hmm. a baptism of fire for me, but it was the best thing I ever did. I accepted I started later than a lot of people. So as soon as I got that job in Canberra, I put my hand up and did breakfast radio as well as TV five days a week. And then on weekends, um, I rolled the weather and did whatever else had to be done. You just, you know, 
How did you go with the, um, the breakfast radio hours? Because, um, well, <laughs> Kevin and I both would, are aware that it, it really knocks your body clock around um, and it really you've really got to get into the right uh, frame of mind to, to kind of uh, to cope with the, uh, the hours. How did it sit with you? Well, the benefit of youth and enthusiasm <laughs> helped me get up every morning. Um, you know, I had to be there for that 6 a.m. news read and I finished there at 8.30, then raced, raced to the TV station and then, you know, you would do arguably on any given day two news stories. Um, so that was seven days. That was five days a week, and then on weekends, I did extra work in the newsroom, in the TV newsroom, just just because I felt like I started late and I had so much to learn. Mm. So, um, but look, it was nothing compared to late news for nearly eighteen years. That that shift work knocks you around. Shift work knocks you around. Period. I think yep. it really does. And and you guys are talking food, and I learned from late news, um, you know, about how you've got to manage yourself and make sure you eat well. So. You know, for that long period of time, because I never cooked dinner yeah. for the better part of twenty years. But I made sure that I found, and living in Sydney, I had access to really great produce, really great high quality. I wouldn't say takeaway, but meals. I made sure I would have a, you know, dinner at lunch or a, a really big high protein salad mix at say three o'clock, yeah. and then I would snack snack during the evening. But I was. You know, very lucky to live in Sydney where the quality of the produce was amazing. And if you know where to shop and you do your homework, you can eat really well if you're a shift worker, but it does require a combination of, you know, enthusiasm and discipline. And the other thing you also required is the world's biggest coffee cup. And uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that that would have been full most of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, probably more chamomile tea, to be honest. Oh. And, maybe the odd, and maybe the odd tin term as the night progressed. <laughs> People would be interested to know, Sandra. Recently, uh, you said that um, even though you've been doing this this caper for so long, you um, you still before each TV news bulletin uh, still get a few nerves creeping in there beforehand. Yeah, I think always because once you stop acknowledging that you're about to do live television, and anything can go wrong and has or does. Um, you, you know, you, you're sort of not really on your game, I think, enough uh, to manage, you know, the unexpected. I mean, I, I never expected September 11th, you know, was going to happen. That that was sort of one out of the box. And I, I'm not meaning to go down that rabbit hole. But um, you can only prepare so much for any news bulletin and then the rest is left to fate, good luck and good fortune. But you you were the first Australian yeah, TV journo to, to, to cover the 9-11 uh Attacks. I mean, and we all look back at that that time. What I mean, just we won't labour on it. But um, Does that still bring chills to your to your body every single time. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, because I think um, like we all accept now the world changed that night forever. But you know, most people and generations that might be listening to this, I'm not sure what your demographic is of your listeners, but you know, they can't imagine life before a mobile phone. They can't imagine life before cable television and social media. None of those things existed. So there was only CNN. There were no other cable network broadcasts. So CNN froze and your international wire services froze and you were just left with mind-numbing pictures and, and horrible images that you had to kind of navigate around. So it was about actually living the terror of the night as it unfolded, which is what always stays with you. You'll never forget actually believing you were watching the start of World War Three mm. unfold mm. 
live on air. Yeah. It's a hell of a responsibility. Of the magnitude of it, you know? It's a hell of a responsibility yeah, I, to have. Well, I think if I if I dwelled on that, I might have frozen it here. Yeah. And I couldn't because I was alone. And I just had to do the best that I could while I was there. I didn't actually know what the next day would bring uh, for, for the for the universe, but also for me professionally, because I didn't know how I went. I there, There's no training course mm. for that sort of experience. You, you literally do the best you can and then think, well, that might be it for me. I'm not really sure. Um, but I was so numb for about four or five days. I didn't sleep for three or four days. I didn't shed a tear for about four days. So I was so numb from the experience. Mm. But... Um, Equally, it was one of it was a game changer for me in terms of there's never been anything of that scale or magnitude ever since. Yeah, Sandra, having done it for for as many years as you've done it now, does news wear you down? Do you need to to kind of get a breather and get away and and just not not be news for a while? How do you do that? Yeah, look, it does because by the very nature, a lot of our you know daily bread and butter is sort of tragic news and I'm always saying to the news desk you know people get empathy fatigue and some days you, well you need to know what's going on in your neighborhood and in your world and the things that dictate the world around you you equally need the upside you need the flip side not just so much good news stories but sport is a big part of that you know sometimes you can just add a new chapter to a story that develops but no one actually dies yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's why sport's so important to what we do. That's why those good stories, those animal stories, just good Samaritan stories are really important because it reminds you that it can't always be about that, that wretched, you know, moment when tragedy strikes. And for me, um, it's finding the, you know, the ways to switch off in my day. It might be might be a silly soap opera, you know, that I tune in every day or a podcast or something on social media. might be the Batuta advocate that makes me laugh out loud at the headlines. Uh, <laughs> or the, the bold and the beautiful maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, the young and the restless, stuff like that. But I need, I need an hour just where I just disappear into, say, succession or uh, Yellowstone. Yes. Where I complete, yes. completely switch off and I'm, I'm taken on a journey of amazing you know, visual splendor or a great drama. Yep. I love the movies. You know, stuff like that is really good switch off for me. It's really interesting you, you mentioned there, Sandra, um, the um, empathy uh, fatigue and uh, and I guess compassion fatigue. Do you feel that that, um, that went up a notch, uh, especially uh, during uh, COVID? Because there was a period there where I, I guess just about every story in the rundown was COVID-related in, in some way. It was deja vu on steroids. I mean, every single day. But at the same time, there was uh, a privilege of the public service nature of what we do. So we were lucky enough that we, I turned up for work every single day of the pandemic for my, you know, five days a week shift. And you had the privilege of actually having somewhere to go. I got out of the house every day. I had a job to do and a service to provide. And a big part of journalism is the public service aspect to what you do. And that was very rewarding for a lot of people in the newsroom. As much as our world was coping with the pandemic, we felt like we were providing a service. And that was a really big part in motivating everyone to turn up every day and do the job. But gosh, you know, it was chapter 
a new chapter every day on the same story. Like, mm. really? Yeah. <laughs> After a while, it got you down. But you could never complain, and I would never, because we had the privilege of actually having somewhere to go every day I got out of the house, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yep. And and I was lucky. Like I was lucky. I wasn't a nurse. I wasn't a teacher. You're reminded every day of how lucky you are. Absolutely. Were you Is usually... that really boring? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, we usually finish off with a kitchen tip, uh, something uh, that, that would help someone in the kitchen that you can pass on, Sandra. <laughs> a kitchen tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've come. You've come to the wrong person. Oh my! God. They're they're often the best the ones. They're, they're the people who don't spend <laughs> much time in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep your fridge well stocked with snacks. I believe. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> kitchen tips. Keep it clean and simple. You won't go too wrong. I don't know. I'm not much. That's I'm not perfect. much helping. Like my 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 husband's the chef in our household. Um, <laughs> And I think he quivers at the thought when I, I sort of suggest maybe I'll make dinner. He goes, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to laugh out. Well, I think a well-stocked <laughs> fridge and a, and a clean kitchen is a really good starting point. So I reckon that's an excellent tip to leave us with. Yeah. And look, I have to say every day I make myself a protein smoothie. So, you know, and it'll be good quality, fresh fresh fruit, some, you know, high quality frozen fruit, um, Good quality. Like, you know, you just need that vitamin pill to start the day. Everyone's fascinated, aren't they, with this intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of trying to do that. As you get older, some thickening doesn't budge the way it used to. Oh, yeah, I (laughs) know. You know? Oh, yes. You know? Are we on a Zoom call? As you get older. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the things that you used to do to to shift it, at least I, I find, don't work anymore, basically. Uh, yeah, the, the the term lumpy, my girls and I have, my girlfriends and I have, have become very familiar and and quite cheeky about because we've just find ourselves joining the lumpy world. <laughs> but we say it with a sense of humour. But again, yeah, keep it clean, keep it simple, and keep it fresh. Love I don't it. like frozen food, you know. Yep, fair enough, <laughs> and and less less lumpy for all of us. And portion control. Oh, That's yeah. my only advice. Oh, now, now portion you're, control. Now you're turning into a teacher. Oh, see, <laughs> I, I, at the very heart of it, I'm a creature of habit and arguably quite boring. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Sandra, thank you, thank you so much. It's been lovely to catch up with you. We've finally got it done, and we're very, very happy that you joined us on the program. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. I hope someone tunes in. They will. will. (laughs) You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. What a treat to have a chat with that lady. There you go, starting out in the health and fitness industry. Yeah, a couple of uh, people in the uh, in that uh, area did that. Uh, Bridget Duclos and I think Jane mm. Fleming and a few of those people were in the health and fitness then moved into media after that. So, yeah. But Sandra's the uh, – she's top Topper. shelf. Upper echelon. Yes, and lovely to have her on the uh, on the program. All right, let's get to the food Oh, bowl. well, yeah, it's the battle of the deep fried foods. All it's right. kind of your standard fish and chip shop fair. So it's your pineapple fritters – or your onion rings. Yes, let's see what your home cash <laughs> Here we fritters, go. Fritters aren't they the staple of the uh, the Chinese restaurant? That might be banana fritters. Anyway, pineapple, onion, arty. Not a huge fan of either. However, a pineapple fritter goes well with fish and chips, so I'll have to give that the big tick. 
Uh, Sheree says pineapple fritters every time. Mm-hmm. Deb Murphy, no contest for me, onion rings. Bart Shaw, who's a connoisseur, says yeah. pineapple fritters all the way. Red Rooster, ah, still one of the best. Yeah. I didn't know they did them. Yeah, but I reckon they're crumbed ones, not battered. I might oh, be wrong. Oh, okay. Bernie says both, please. Christopher Gates, one of our great producers on our podcast program, says mm. no contest, onion rings. Oh, there you go. Sue says onion rings for me, but I wouldn't turn down a pineapple fritter either. Sylvana says, how can you put these two <laughs> together? I love them both. I can't choose. There you go. Terry Daniel, well, I like both, but Terry Daniel and pineapple is just a mix that goes together easily. Is Terry right? loves his pineapple, <laughs> yet I will have pineapple with uh. anything. And Terry actually puts pineapple in here. Spaghetti bolognese, I kid you not. So big yay to the fritters. Oh, I'm still coming to terms with part of that last sentence. Uh, Glenn Driscoll sends us a wonderful big pineapple gift, which says yes. Yeah. Rebecca says both. Uh, Lauren says, look, I can't stand either, Pato. Oh. I'd rather invest a few dollars uh, for these in a potato cake. Fair enough. Caroline says onion rings. We used to go to the fish and chip shop on Riversdale Road just for onion rings. Occasionally we'd buy something else as well, but they were the bomb. Why don't you go to a shop just for the onion rings? Yeah. Uh, Cindy says pineapple fritters all the way. Onion rings are vomit. <laughs> Emoji. <laughs> Sue Hosking says pineapple fritters with a little bit of vanilla ice cream on top is perfect. Tony Bennett says onion rings by a country mile. Oh, Cooked I'm... pineapple is the spawn <laughs> of Satan and doesn't belong anywhere near a savoury dish. This whole trend of chucking a pineapple on a burger uh... or pizza and calling it a wine repulses me to the very core. <laughs> Good on you, Tony. Very strong opinion. That's, a, that's his new album, Repulses Me to the Very Core. Uh, Glenn says onion rings for me, Pato. Uh, Ali says onion rings. Susie says why not both? Yeah, okay. Uh, Rachel says onion rings or onion bahals. I think they're bhajis. Bhajis. Is that how you say that? I think they're Indian um, onion fritters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bargies. Onion, <laughs> onion bargies sounds like something that floats down the middle of the Yarra River and everyone looks at it and goes, oh, look, it's an onion bargie. Oh, don't you about that? Oh. Um, anyway. uh, Lydia, onion rings. <laughs> Jim Wilson says onion rings, daylight second. Oh, Mark Stevens, onion rings. Steve Wood says, I am the Lord of the Rings. Oh. That's funny. Jane Barnes, to be honest, I've never had a battered pineapple ring, but fine, crispy onion rings are yum. Okay, now this has started a conversation mm. which you'll hear uh, continue uh, in the food poll, uh, uh, mm. directed directly to Jane Barnes. Oh. Uh, Alan says neither. Ali says onion rings. Calzo says onion rings. Old croaky, you can't beat a hot, crispy onion ring. Oh, Pineapple yeah. is for pizza. Stephen Quartermain says onion rings, thank God. Son of Bon Scott, ACDC is the Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, who was it that came up with the idea to ruin a good hamburger with fries? Pineapple. Now, in response to Jane Barnes, Julie says, oh, Jane, pineapple rings are delicious. You must Yo. make some. <laughs> I reckon Jane would do some cracking pineapple oh, fritters, yeah. wouldn't she? Lynn says both. Uh, the Randallorian oh. says, another one of those f- fabulous Twitter <laughs> handles, one of the best desserts I ever had was a crispy battered Peruvian oh. pineapple slice. Oh, Oh. A Peruvian pineapple slice oh. that uh, that was dipped in a spiced brown sugar syrup, kind of like a reduced and corn flour oh. syrup a la orange chicken <gasps> type thing, served with pandan ice cream. Oh. Wickedly decadent. That just sounds so exotic. I can't even get What's my head around that. What's pandan ice cream? Pandan um, is green. I know Poe uses it a lot on MasterChef. Oh, okay. <laughs> pandan ice cream. Uh, Sunshine Glenny. 
The battered pineapple rings are really lovely, Jane. Another delicious. One for, another one for Jane from uh, from Lara says, Jane, they do delicious battered pineapple rings here in Cambodia. Oh. Made from fresh pineapples, not tin uh. stuff. And all other kinds of battered delectables too. Cambodians do claim to have invented the round donut with the hole in there. So there's that. Hey, that, I didn't know that. Neither did I. Cass says fritters. Uh, Miss Sandy Crack says onion rings. Linda Margaret says pineapple fritters. My goodness, Kevin, I think this is going to be close somehow. Going to be very close. Here's the, uh, here's the results from the polling boots, yeah. uh, the donkey votes, uh, <laughs> which we're calling the ve- – no, we aren't calling the vegan votes, the green votes, no. Yeah. Uh, the donkey votes, 4%. All right. The fritters, 48 oh. And the onion rings, 58 Yeah, the thing with the onion rings is you've got to nail the crispy batter. Well, I mean, you've got to nail it with the pineapple fritters too, don't you? So that doesn't – that adds up to more than 100 <laughs> well, maths never was your strong point. It's not mine either. <laughs> I, think that, I think that adds up to 110%. That's dodgy. I think the fritters should actually be 38%. Uh, but I'll, yeah. I'll oh, get, I see. The scrutineers will be in. Oh, but nevertheless, no, nevertheless. It's 1972 all over again. It's fairly close still. Yes, it is. But the onion rings do win. Yeah. I'd Even still if the go, maths I'd, doesn't I'd, work. I reckon I'd still go the pineapple, Kevin. Uh, and no. I and I would put um, a cinnamon and a sugar uh, coating on them. Be mm-mm. Uh, yeah, that'd be nice. Fresh out of the fried oil. But see, I I'm I'm in a fish and chip shop when I'm having that, and that's mm. onion rings to me. Yeah, not fritters. Yeah, onion yeah. rings can be uh, fiddly. Yeah, very they can, fiddly to do. and they can be very uh, chewy too. A bit too yeah, chewy. And they can sometimes. all stick together. Yeah, a bit. And you've got to have the ratio of the ring to the batter. You're not talking me into the pineapple oh. fritters, okay? <laughs> I like the onion rings. I'm going the onion rings. This is this is the kind mm. of conversation that we have when we stand mm. in front of the board at the fish and chip shop. <laughs> it's it's like that. Uh, thanks to Sandra Thank Sully you. for being on the program. Fantastic to have her on. We have some terrific guests coming up in the next mm. few weeks as well. But uh, Sandra just uh, really is top of the heap. So thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you next on Food Bites. You enjoy yours, I'm Kevin. having the onion rings. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.